0: We're going back to faith, fact or feeling, the importance of faith. I say last last time we did this was more of the basics, so this time we're going to go a little uh, a little different direction with the faith uh, question this time. Let's pray real quick. Father, we want to thank you for your word and for the opportunity we have here to study your word, to learn about you and... and about faith and what it is and how we apply it and use it in our lives. So we just pray right now you'd speak to us and that you would just uh, use this to mold and shape us to the image of your son, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Okay, so the importance of faith. I have a quote here that I'm going to read and then expect you guys... And maybe it's just me. I can't see. Uh Tell me what you think of this quote. Okay, the importance of faith. Okay, the individual human will, a powerful force that can be unleashed and that can determine the state and outcome of one's whole life. Does that sound like a biblical principle? Does it sound weird? Does it sound off? Did you guys hear me? Does anybody have a comment? A question? Okay, I I will repeat it. it. The individual individual human will, a powerful force that can be unleashed and that can determine the state and outcome of one's whole life. Doesn't that sound like... It's like, maybe? Maybe? It sounds like... your own will. Right. But you hear how it's like, it's like, well, I'm not sure, is it a biblical principle or is it something else? Um, It is something else. Okay, the actual quote said, the individual human will is a powerful force that can be unleashed and that can determine the state and outcome of one's whole life. That comes from back in the, um, This particular quote came from the guy that started something that you guys, probably most of you have never heard of. It's called Est, a guy named Werner Erhard. Actually, that was his quote. Um, I believe it was his quote. I think that's where I got it. Um, And we're going to talk a little bit about that type of doctrine or that type of teaching or that type of understanding of the human Person that thinks that it can be done this way. The way that they say it's the human will that is the force that can determine the outcome of one's whole life. Okay. First, again, the word faith itself in the Greek is pistis, which is a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing. It's used in the New Testament always. Of faith in God or Jesus or spiritual things or things spiritual, okay. So this word is always, and it's a firm persuasion. It's not like well, like with that quote, you kind of went, I mean, you, you can't, you couldn't firmly grasp what was said there. But faith is something that has. There's a firm persuasion. You know, oh yeah, this is this is a definite. And I'm persuaded, and and there's no swaying me from what I believe about this faith. That's the word used, and it's always in regard to God, Jesus, or things that are spiritual. Okay, So that's the Greek word, pistis, is the Greek word of faith. I mentioned last time we went through this, that there's a doctrine out there called the word faith movement. And the doctrine, basically, is taught, and the belief is, and this is taught within the quote-unquote Christian church. Not all, but many. The belief is that you can create, with your faith, your own reality. Okay? That's in the Christian church. Now, that's interesting because of the quote that I read. Doesn't it sound like the same thing? The word faith doctrine says that as long as I have positive thinking positive mental attitude i don 't think negatively then things always will be positive and good for me and the proof of that would be that God would begin to bless me financially um, I would not be sick in fact if you're ever sick in the word faith movement it's a it's a it's sin in your life or a lack of faith in your life that creates the sickness or the whatever the calamity in your life would be um, I have a friend that was in a church like that, he and his wife, and the pastor's wife got cancer. And they denied that she had cancer the whole time she had cancer. They denied it. Because if they confessed she had cancer, then the cancer would become the reality and she would have cancer. Okay? Which is stupid. She had cancer. Even though they denied the cancer, she had the cancer. Well, whatever that was on the camera. Yeah, that thing's making all kinds of noise. She ended up dying of cancer. Though the whole time they denied she had it. So they did not get her treatment because they were confessing positively that the cancer did not exist. And she died. So my friend, seeing that, walked away from the church. He wanted nothing to do with the church. Um, he attempted later on to come back to the church. ended up plugging into a church where... The pastor ripped the church up, stole money from the church. And so he now does not has, I mean, twice. This is the kind of people that he's run into. Um, it's sad because I, I don't know. I mean, unfortunately, when your eyes are on man or when your, your trust, your faith is in man, that's the stuff that happens. Um, when your faith is in Jesus Christ, when it's in God. And stuff like that happens. All you do is you look and you go, well, that's what human beings will do. But I'm not following human beings. I'm following Jesus Christ. That's why Paul, when he was on the earth, he told the people, you follow me as long as I follow Christ. Because once I stop following Christ, don't follow me anymore. That's what Paul was saying. Um, That's truly the attitude we need to have. But this word faith movement, um, the positive confession doctrine, teaching that you can create your own reality. I, I mentioned EST, E-S-T, okay? It was started in 1971 by Werner H. Erhard, and I just put this name because that's what he legally changed his name to. That was not his given name when he was born. He changed it. Um, Werner Erhard, uh, he established what was called, oh, no, Werner Erhard started LifeSpring. Oh, no, he did, he did Est. I'm sorry. I've got these two mixed up right here. I've got them combined, and they're supposed to be separated on my notes. Erhard started Est. Lifespring was something that was born out of EST or Est. Lifespring was started by John Hanley in 1973. Werner started his in 1971. Um, I, I remember Lifespring. Est was... I wasn't really... I don't know what was going on at that time. 1971, I was seven years old, so I didn't really care about all that stuff. Um, LifeSpring came around when I was, I started knowing about it when I was like a junior, senior in high school, I think. The guy that lived across the street from me started going to LifeSpring. And um, it was the most bizarre thing that they were doing. Um, He he would come back from this LifeSpring thing just all excited about learning, like, common stuff oh, it's great because you can, he'd tell me these great things you could do. It's all again, pe- positive mental attitude stuff. And he would be telling me stuff. I'm like, dude, I've known that for years. You just, you didn't know any of this stuff. It was like, he kept trying to get me to go to it. It was great. It was like $400 for your first course that lasted like six weeks or no, it was a weekend. The first course, then you take the advanced course for $900 to get deeper into what you learned the first three days or whatever. I was reading a whole lady's thing as she went through it because her husband came home all excited about Life Spring and then she goes, I gotta see what this is about. And she went in and she came out and it was like, oh, you gotta go to the $900 one because then you get to meet the same people and hang out with them. And it's, it's a lot of weird. Um, I remember these, the guy that lived across the street from me when they got involved with it and he would tell me some of the stuff that was going on where it was kind of whatever you feel, you just say it. You tell people what you think. You kind of do your own thing. It was, it was like a, it reminded me of like, Cult like commune type living. Um, I remember everybody sleeping with everybody's wife and husband, and because that was what they felt like they needed to do, and that was what they desired to do, and so they all just kind of it was a bizarre thing. So there was divorce everywhere, and um, so there was est est. There was Life Spring. It, it actually was esalon. Esalon was the first part of this whole what was called the Human Potential Movement, okay? Now, the Human Potential Movement actually was birthed out of a book that uh, Abraham Maslow wrote, and it was called Self-Actualization, okay? And he wrote the book in 1943. Um, This whole Human Potential Movement uh, is technically not a religion, but if you know people that are involved in it or that were involved in it or are a part of it, which I don't hear anything about, I'm sure it's still around, um, it's a religion to these people, this life spring and, and uh, it's, it's really weird. Um, but if you guys don't know who Abraham Maslow is, I'm guessing Whitney probably knows that name. He's one of the fathers of American psychology. He's the one that came up with the idea of self-actualization The human potential movement. Finding out that within you, you have the potential, like the quote I read, the individual human will, a powerful force that can be unleashed and that can determine the state and outcome of one's whole life. You don't need God because within you, you have the potential as a human being to be whatever it is you want to be. I mean, we hear that all the time, don't we? You dream it, you can be it. You pursue it, man, and you can have it. See, we don't need God to tell us what he wants for our lives. Tanner's little message that he did last night. I'm like, dude. I go, tomorrow I'm teaching on faith. He goes, Yeah, I figured. <laughs> it's like it's funny because his you know, the thing he taught last night, he was talking a lot about the faith and even got into Hebrews and um but that whole human potential movement. The the problem with the thinking is the human being does have potential. We have the potential For good. But our bent is to evil. Okay? The potential for good within us is only Jesus Christ. That's the only potential we have for good. Because any other good we do outside of Jesus Christ, we're doing it for selfish motivation. Any good thing that we had done, well, you guys all grew up in the church, but any good thing that I had ever done when I was not a Christian, there was self-motivation to it. There was something going to be in it for me which would be the reason I did the good things. I may not have even known that I'm going to do this thing because I think I can get something out of this. But usually, that was my motivation. Because when I was in the world and not a Christian, I cared about one thing, and that was me. That was the only thing I really cared about. And it's sad. Um, It's not that I still don't have those problems, that I like to care about me a little bit too much. But when I was in the world, that's all I cared about. That's why I tell people, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a, any steady girlfriend ever because she would have taken my money away. I would have had to spend money on her, going on dates and doing the dinner and all that. That's, that's my, that was my money for my alcohol and my drugs. And I wasn't going to waste it on a girl. See, because I was so self-absorbed, it was like I was all about me. I didn't care. So this whole human potential movement is really no different than the word-faith doctrine that's out there, where you can create your own reality by faith. Whereas they say it differently in the human potential movement, it is you determine the state and outcome of your whole life because of the powerful force that's within. Okay, George Lucas tapped into this, the whole Star Wars thing, the force. You have the good part of the force and the evil part of the force. There's an equal. You have to find the balance in the force. Remember Yoda? Oh, there's an imbalance in the force, right? That's what that whole thing is. In in the, the Asian countries, you see the yin and the yang, the white little teardrop and the black teardrop. That's the same thing. It's a balance of evil and good. In the church, many people think, and I used to think, that God and Satan were equals battling each other trying to figure out who is actually going to win. I voted for God because I liked him better than I liked the devil, just because of the way I was raised. Many people would rather vote for the devil to beat God. But the reality is that Satan, once I became a Christian, I realized that Satan was a created being. He is not equal to God. He's not even close to equal to God. God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present. Satan can be at one place at one time, He's just real smart. He's been around a long time. He knows how to use his little tricks. He knows how how weak humans are. And he knows how to, by watching, he knows what our weakness is and how to get us individually. Even though it is not him personally, he's got the, I mean, for me, it's probably one of the weakest little demons he's got running around can get me messed up. But you think of somebody like Job who actually had Satan attack him personally when he went before God and said, oh yeah, that Job, he only worships you because of what you do for him. You take his stuff away, he'll curse you to, his face, to your face. So God let Satan take that stuff away from Job. He would, that's, a, that's an incredible testimony of that man that Satan himself would attack him. But, um, so the potential within the human beings, our potential is for good with Jesus Christ, but our bent, the natural thing we do is evil. We're naturally sinful people. We know that because of what Adam did. We went over sin. Or Luke actually taught us, taught us last time on the sin and salvation issue. So it's just inerrant within us. We inherited this sin nature. You know, um, babies when they're born, they're just little sinners. You know, I mean, I I've, I've raised four of them myself, and now I see three little grandchildren that they're the cutest little things, cutest little sinners there are, running around. But they're sinners, man, and I just see it when they're when you're around. You're just like, I, I know I've teased Michael before when I see him doing selfish things, and I'm just like, did you teach them that? Because mm-hmm. I know he didn't. It's just so natural for them. Mine, mine, that's mine. Or take the toy from somebody. Or, no, you don't touch that. I'm playing with that. You leave it alone. Or someone has something they want. Our, our dogs do that. As soon as one of the dogs has something, the other dog wants it. They could have the exact same thing, but they want the one that the other one has. The kids are the same way. We're just sinners. That's just the way we are. Okay. So, the word faith movement, the uh, human potential movement. Uh, also, one one person said for uh, a word for the human potential movement is called psycho religiosity. And I thought that was pretty good. That's pretty much what it is. Psycho religiosity. So it's a religion of psychology. It's not just religion like we would have. They embrace psychology and some of the psychological things like Abraham uh, Maslow had put into and Freud and Jung and these other guys that that got into all this weird stuff. But um, the religiosity, the faith, word faith movement, all that stuff, the faith is based on us, and that's the problem with it. The human potential movement is based on us as human beings. The biblical idea, again, of faith, a pistis, the Greek word, a firm persuasion, a conviction, conviction, based upon hearing. And in the New Testament is always faith in God, Jesus, or things spiritual. That's true faith. It is based in something. It's important that our faith has a basis to it. And we're, what we're going to look at is why is it so important to have that basis and why is it so important that God be that basis? Because I think that's that's what we need to understand. So, in the Old Testament, the word faith is only used twice. It's used once in Deuteronomy 32.20 in the Song of Moses in reference to the children of Israel. Um, I'm going to just go ahead and read this because we didn't. Look at this the last time, so we'll make sure we get this on on record here. 32.20, Moses writing, it says, And he said, I will hide my face from them, the children of Israel. I will see what their end will be, for they are, are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. Okay? That's Moses to the children of Israel in the Song of Moses. There is no faith. Okay, the other one, we can race to get to it. Habakkuk 2 4. Where's God? Anybody got it yet? Where's it? Where's it? one of the hard ones to find. Oh my goodness. It's like only two pages in my Bible, so it's hard to get that one. I keep passing it. Who passed? Who got it? You're not no, we're not counting phone stuff, man. You got to dig through a Bible. Uh, you guys beat me to it. It's it, I did this the other night and I I find it and then I'd go out of it and I'm like, "Oh, man, I should have stayed there." Because it's only two little pages and I keep flipping past it. Come on. I know, there he is. I knew it was there. Habakkuk two four. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Again, speaking to the children of Israel. But Habakkuk, when he's writing, is speaking of the children of Israel when they go into the captivity of Babylon. Okay, that's when this is in reference to he says, the proud his soul is not upright. So if there's pride, he says it's, your soul's not right. But the just, they live by his faith. The just shall live by his faith. Again, faith in God. The only two times in the Old Testament that word is used. Okay, we looked at both of them. So, the word actually is used in the Bible 338 times. So, faith itself the the best way to understand faith i gave the greek definition but again i'm going to read it we did it last time hebrews chapter 1 i mean chapter 11 verse 1 no the writer of hebrews giving us a definition of faith faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. So our faith is hoping in something we don't see and we don't have. Right? Substance of things hoped for. And that's the evidence of things not seen. That's crazy because you're like, wait. And, and he gets into it and he says, well, why would you continue to hope for something that you have seen or that you have? That wouldn't be faith. If I already possess it, Why would I hope for it? But if I don't possess it, my hope is that I will possess. Okay, and and again, remembering the definition we had of what faith is always in God, Jesus, or the spiritual things. So my faith is in a God that I have never seen. In a Saviour that I have never seen. That's my hope. Is that what they told me one day, I'm going to obtain? And I will obtain that thing. So that's the evidence of the things that are not seen. Is I can have faith in him and I see glimpses and pieces of truth that he's given. Which gives me greater hope. That's what's crazy. Is you watch as you get to learn. You dive in. You get to know him. And all of a sudden you start going, wait a minute, man. There's more to this. There's more to God. And there's always going to be more. So we have to continue to dig. Okay. I also read this one last time, but I want to get it again. Um, when Paul in Romans he says it another way, Romans chapter eight. I like what Paul says here. Romans eight twenty two through twenty five, where Paul says, "For we know that the whole creation groans, right? I'm in the right place, yes. And labors with birth pangs together in now. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the spirit. Even we." ourselves grown within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Okay, that's Paul's definition or description of what faith is. We're eagerly waiting with perseverance, for this thing in which we hope, the return of Jesus Christ, our, the salvation of our souls, right? He says, even we, grown together with nature itself, in birth pangs. until now, we have the first fruits of the Spirit, right? The first fruits of the Spirit, we have salvation, we have all of a sudden this peace that Tanner was talking about, this peace that you cannot describe. I, I like what uh, Spurgeon said, that the one book that I had on him, 12 Sermons on Peace, is, is peace is that holy calm, that sweet repose, which none but he that feels it knows. You don't know that peace. You can't describe that peace completely to anybody. The only way you know that peace is that you've experienced that peace. And once you've experienced it, you you know somebody else that hasn't, you go you know that peace of God? That peace that Jesus gives? And they can go, yeah, I know it. You say that to somebody that's in the world? Like, what are you talking about, man? You're talking about that broken chicken foot thing? Is that what you're talking about? Or just the word? Or no war? Is that what you mean by peace? Right? Because that's the world's thinking of what peace is. But we know a peace that's deeper, that's greater than what that is. It's not just a hippie sign. The, the chicken foot. it's That's not peace. That's not what it means. There's something greater, something deeper. And that's what Paul's describing here. So, even though the word faith is only used twice in the Old Testament, does it mean that the people in the Old Testament didn't practice faith? That they didn't have faith? That there was nothing for them to place their faith in? Because the word's only used twice. But if we look, I see Jaden shaking, you could say, "Is it, did they use it? Was there faith in the Old Testament? Yes. You could talk He said yes. <laughs> he said yes. Why did they say yes? It's true. <laughs> Where? Got any examples? I've got some, so. But do you have any? No, Examples of where faith is used in the Old Testament? Okay. How about this one? Enoch? You remember Enoch? Enoch was way back in Genesis. They give the genealogies back there. And they come to this man named Enoch. And as they're going through the genealogy, and you're ready man. Talking to you guys. And you read about this guy, Enoch, and it says, that Enoch was not for God took him. Uh, I didn't write this down, but I may have it on my other notes. But, anyways, it says that Enoch was not for God took him. Okay? So, Enoch was taken, raptured in the Old Testament. Because of his faith and his trust in God. Because it says he pleased God. So that's why he was not. I'm I'm trying to find where it is here. I I probably won't get to it. I'll just pass it because I don't want to spend too much time trying to find it. Um, Anyways, Enoch was not. How about Noah? Faith applied in his life? Did he use faith? He built a boat. huge boat huge enough to put all of one kind of the animal, land-living animals on that boat, along with his wife and his three kids and their wives, when they had never seen rain. The other day we watched that Evan Almighty. Little twist on the story, but um, Noah, having not seen rain, and God says, build me a boat, and that world and the world at that time, all but eight people had perished. That's faith. Why would you build a boat? It's kind of like, that's why the Evan Almighty, the guy was building a boat in the middle of the city, the suburbs where there was no water except in the dam that was going to break. And then it was going to float him to the White House. It was great. I think it was true. I'm not sure. Um, but he had never seen rain. So it's like he's building the boat, telling people it's going to rain or it's going to flood or it's going to whatever he was telling them. We don't know. It doesn't record what he said. But we do know that the people didn't believe him. But he was a preacher of righteousness because he was preaching. Just his life was his preaching. As he's building the boat, he's telling the people, right? He didn't even have to use words. He's building the boat. Hey, there's going to be a flood coming. Get ready. It's coming. Every time he hammers a nail as they could walk by, he's preaching. He's letting them know God's going to do something and you need to trust that what God's going to do, it's not going to be good. You need to be here. Okay, so we have Noah. Abraham. Faith. Told Abraham, get up. Get out from among your people and from among your country and go to the place that I will show you. Any faith in Paul, I don't read sign language, so um, faith involved there, right? Because he's going to a place that he had never even—he been. He didn't even know where it was. God said, "Get up and go, and I'll show you where to go." That's pretty crazy. David, David. fighting Goliath. See? Now you're thinking. These weren't trick questions. They're—it's right here in the Bible. None of it's trick questions. I only wrote a few. You guys could come up with probably a lot more. Samson, Gideon, because... Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca, yeah. Rebecca. To go back with Isaac. Never even seen him. Or just the servant to go get her. Or the servant to go get her, right. But her. Hey, uh, my master's got this kid and he wants to get married. You want to go with me? All right. <laughs> She's never seen the guy before in her life. And she's definitely never seen the guy she's going to marry. You know, he's some like I don't know, some crazy Johnny Depp, Pirates of the Caribbean looking guy. You know, has not screwed on quite right. One of those kind of guys. She's, she doesn't know what she's going to, but by faith, she packed up and went because she was trusting God. Right now, I'm I'm on my personal study. I'm reading Esther. How about that one? There's just there's so much in the Bible when we see faith. That's all we've all all we've talked about is Old Testament right now, and we we haven't even scratched the surface. We just mentioned a few of the people, huh? How about Moses facing Pharaoh? Oh yeah, his mom set him in the reeds. Remember, he didn't float down the river. She covered that. He didn't float down the river, but she did trust. That if she put him in the reeds, that Pharaoh's daughter, when Pharaoh's daughter found him, would not just go, hey, there's a baby, and throw him into the Nile. Like his mom was supposed to do. That she trusted that God would make that provision and that she picked it up and raised that as her own. You can go through Hebrews 11, 13 through 16, and you see more of those guys. It's crazy. A lot of people living by faith in the Old Testament, in the New Testament. Some died, uh, it says by faith we see people raised back to life, all kinds of crazy stuff. So so faith, we can see, is more than just the human potential. Because everything we just talked about had nothing to do with the human being himself or herself. Their faith was placed in God. There was an object to their faith, and that object to their faith was worthy of having the faith placed in them. I was trying to think of a good analogy, and I was trying to think, you know, um, for ourselves, because let's say the human potential movement. So if I said, well, you know, I used to surf a lot, right? And I can think of quite a few times when I was really close to drowning while I was surfing. But I was able, I was also a good swimmer. I started swimming when I was probably about four years old very strong swimmer, good swimmer. I had been in the surf and in the waves since I was little, maybe six, seven years old. So I knew how surf worked. I knew how riptides worked. I knew how to get out of them. I knew a lot about the ocean in general. So all these times surfing and stuff, I was able to get myself out of these situations where maybe someone that didn't know as much as I did about swimming may have drowned. So I've got this ability within me to know how to get myself out of trouble. So, I go down to Chile, we'll just say, if I'm in Chile, right? And I'm walking along in the jungles and I step in some quicksand. I think, hey, I got this. I've been in the waves. I've had them throw me, toss me, try to take me under, rip tides. I've been through all this stuff that I've been able to get myself out of. And so I start working to get myself out of the quicksand. If you guys know anything about quicksand, the more you struggle, the quicker you go down. So I'm sitting there trying to fight my way out of the quicksand, and just to the right of me is this big old vine that if I grabbed onto it, I could get myself out. But see, I'm going to trust because I know that within me, I've done it before and I can do it again. That's kind of the human potential movement. God is that vine sitting just to the right of you but you're so sure of yourself that you're going to get yourself out of that problem, that you continue to fight and struggle and work to get yourself out of your problem. And the more you work and fight and struggle, the quicker you go down. God's the vine right to the right of you. And if you would just reach out and grab onto the vine, the vine will help you get out. It's not you. And that's kind of the difference between the human potential movement and the faith that we're to have in Jesus Christ. See, to put my trust in myself is going to be futile. I'm not going to be able to do anything. But as soon as I hope and trust in divine, you know, because if I grab it, my faith is and my trust is that it's attached to something up top. That it's not just laying on the ground and I grab it and it's just going to go with me. Right? So that's that's what we want to have. We want to have that it there has to be something worthy of placing the faith in. If you place it in me, or if I place it in me, we're just going to drown. There has to be something worthy of having that faith placed in and God is that thing that we need to place the faith in. So in 1 Corinthians 12:9 there's a mention there of faith, but it is mentioned as a gift given by the Holy Spirit. So is that th- this is kind of a two-parted question, so the answer would kind of be yes and no. Okay? So now you know the answer. So I'm going to ask a question. Is that the way we obtain faith? Yes and no. Yes and no. Hey, how would you know that answer? I listen. Wow, <laughs> this guy listens. Okay, so yes and no. Okay, yes, because it's the Holy Spirit that's going to give us faith. But the act of faith in believing and the gift of faith in believing Mentioned in Corinthians are two different types of faith. Okay, they're they're not the same faith. Okay, Galatians three, twenty-six through twenty-nine. Wow, oh, I'm back in the old testament still. Galatians three. Twenty-six through twenty-nine. For you are called, you are all sons of God through faith. In Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Okay, so we're sons through faith in Jesus Christ. Okay, that is believing faith. Remember Tanner talked about that last night. That's believing faith. Someone shared with me in 1983 about Jesus Christ and how he could help me in my life and change my life from what it was to give me a potential for a future. By faith, I guess, a type of faith, because it wasn't real faith. Basically, what I said was, look, I've tried everything else to get out of this life that I'm in except Jesus, so I'll give him a shot too. And if he doesn't work out, I can always go back to being what I was. I trusted, and it truly was a hope that I had, because I hated my life. Not to the point where I was going to kill myself, but I hated my I mean, not willingly, I was killing myself, unknowingly. But my hope was that Jesus could change my life, because I hated the life I lived. So I took a chance, believing that Jesus could change my life, and he did. Okay. That's different than the 1 sec- than the first Corinthians twelve faith we're talking about. Okay? Because the first Corinthians twelve faith that we're talking about, we can see that one in Acts chapter three. If you want to see that one happen, it's it's right there. Acts chapter three. Verses twenty six through no. One through sixteen. That was Galatians I was looking at. Okay. Acts 3, 1 through 16. Now, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful. And it's the gate that's called beautiful, not the temple that's called beautiful. Even the temple was beautiful. That's speaking of the gate, right? He was there to ask alms from those who entered the temple His feet and ankle bones received strength so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping and praising God and all the people saw him and walking saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat at the begging sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple and they were filled they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though we, by our own power or godliness, we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go but you denied the holy one and the just and asking for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the prince of life whom god raised from the dead of which we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know yes the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yet no, yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets, that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. That's the the gift of faith 1 Corinthians talks about. It's not a believing faith there. This faith to a man born lame from his mother's womb. This man has, we don't know how old he is, but we know that he's older. He's a man. It's not a little boy. It's not a child. It's a man. Sat at the gate every day. Begging alms. Peter looking at him. He expected to get something. He did get something. Way more than he expected. Peter looked down and said, silver and gold we don't have. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And it says immediately he rose up and was given. And the strength came immediately to his feet and ankle bones. And he leaping up stood and walked. That's crazy. Your kids my grandkids, Watch, watching, I mean, and you were there too, watching Astor, Jacob, Michael, all of them taking their first steps. Come on, walk, and they want to crawl, and they don't want to, it took time for them to exercise the muscles in their legs, learn how to balance and walk. This guy immediately leapt and walked. He had never done that before. So not only did he have the strength in his legs to do it, God gave him the ability immediately to do it. Something that I haven't thought of before. That in itself is a miracle because to learn to balance and walk on your feet, like I said, we watched the kids, you know, two steps and bah, on their face. This guy didn't do that. He jumped up and he went into the temple with him. It says he's hanging on to him, but it doesn't mean like he's like he can't walk at all because it, he got up and walked, it says. By faith, I believe that's what It happened. That's the, that's the faith of 1 Corinthians. Okay. That kind of faith is the one that raises dead people. That's the kind of faith that has, when you pray for somebody who's sick, they get healed. Somebody that has cancer doesn't have it anymore. Okay. That's the kind of faith that we're talking about. That's the gift. It's different. It's a great faith. But notice the question at the beginning again. It was faith factor feeling. Okay. No feeling. Just because I feel good or I feel... Isn't going to make this man walk and run and do all that he did. He was lame from his mother's womb. It wasn't a feeling that created that. There's a fact to this. It's not just a, a feeling-based thing. You know, I get a warm fuzzy and therefore that's faith. That's not what it's about. Okay, there's, there's something to it. This guy actually got up and walked. So, why is faith so important in the life of a Christian? Why is it so important? Hmm. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well, Hebrews 11.6 says that you need faith to please God. Right? He who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He is a reward of those who diligently seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, why is it important for a Christian to have faith? Because if you don't have faith, You cannot be pleasing to God. I'm not talking this faith, not the first Corinthians gift faith, general faith, because it takes faith to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus is the savior, that his death on the cross meant something and that his death on the cross would do something for us. It takes faith because nobody sitting here got to see that. Nobody sitting here has seen Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. We believe that by faith. Okay, so that's why it's important. How about this one? What does the object of our faith have to do with the power of our faith? Yeah, okay. Wording is weird. It, it would be like my analogy of the quicksand. The object of the faith. I can put it in me and sink, or there's this big strong vine just to the side of me. Okay? Which is more logical? Fight my way out, or trust in something that I know is stronger than I am and has the ability to help me to get out of the situation I'm in. Okay? So the human potential movement is all about me. The human potential movement is me drowning in quicksand. Saying, I don't care about the vine. I have it within me to be able to get out of this. And I drown. So the object that I place my faith in is important. And it gives me power and strength. Because I know that if I reach over and grab that vine, it's strong. And it has the potential to get me out of the situation I'm in. The predicament I'm in. Okay. When we realize the human nature... When we see truly what human nature is, you know, they try to tell us that we're good. Sociology and all, you know, if our environment was good, then everything will be great. Okay, God's going to prove that all wrong in the millennial kingdom because in the millennial kingdom, Satan's going to be bound for a thousand years. There will be no Satan running around the earth like he is today. He'll be bound. And after the end of a thousand years, they're going to all fight against God. They don't care. It's within us. It's not our society. It's us. We're the problem. We have d- desperately wicked, deceitful hearts, Jeremiah 79 says. And as we look at life in general, as we see the world around us, you see that. How can somebody think that going out and blowing themselves up so they can have the however many virgins it is they're supposed to get when they go to heaven, speaking of the Muslims, to think that this is this is going to be the best thing that can happen that's evil when we watched the other night we watched um what was it called Winnie on Rebecca I'm not ashamed I'm not ashamed um Rachel Rachel I always say Rebecca huh? Rachel um Rachel Scott who was killed at Columbine High School back in 1991 No yeah I mean one. 1991 Columbine High School shooting Two kids, high schoolers, went into the school and killed 14 people. 13 people killed 13 people at that school for no reason, other than they just didn't like the school. If you were a black, retarded, uh, Christian, Jew, right, and they did it, they chose the day that they did it. Was Hitler's birthday? Was the day they chose to do it? And for no reason killed 13 people. That is the human being. That is what this world will be without the Holy Spirit's restraint. Because even while the Holy Spirit's here, there is some guilt on some people. There are people that are so hard and so wicked and so evil that they're beyond it. Where there's demon possession, which is usually the case. But that's the human potential. We can go that way too. God's Holy Spirit restrains. The only reason the world's even as good as it is is because of the little bit of faith, a little bit of strength that the church has and the Holy Spirit gives. That's the only reason it's as good as it is. You look at this poor Otto Wormbeer who, who was killed by the North Koreans for no reason. They sent him back and said, Oh, he has botulism. He was in a coma. And as they studied, they found that his brain was so messed up, obviously from being beaten in the head, he lived, I think, four days and then died. For no reason. And you want to try to tell me that there's good in human beings? There is no good. That's like Paul said, the only good in me, the only good thing in me is Jesus Christ. Because without Jesus Christ in me or in you, we all have that same potential. We could be the shooters at Columbine High School. We could be the child molesters. We could be the, the serial killers. We could be... I mean, it's just... We have such wickedness within us. The restraint is Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit within. That's why it's so important to reach out. I look out and I just see these poor people being sucked into drugs. And that tears my heart out. Because that was me. That's where I was. So when I see that, it tears me up. I'm just like, man... I wish I could reach to each one of these people and let them know that they don't have to live this life. The lie they've been living in, this addiction that they have, they can be free. Jesus claimed that he would give them that freedom. But it takes faith. It takes that believing faith. Like Tanner was teaching last night, we need need to take a step towards God. And he takes a step towards us. As we continue to draw closer to him, he draws closer to us. Pretty soon, there's so much strength. Like I said, I mean, it was great when I was telling I I love to brag about the fact that it's been 33 years that I've been sober. No drugs, no alcohol, nothing. 33 years. People look at me and go, what? I'm like, yeah. Most people go, there's no way you lived through the 80s, man. You still got a brain. You have no idea what I was like in the 80s, from the 70s to the 80s. God is so good that when I see this I just want people to know, you know what, there's there's, just a little faith, right? Didn't Jesus just say it? Just a mustard seed. The tiniest amount of faith. That's all he needs. Just give me a little. He goes, I'll turn that into a great amount. Just give me a little bit. And, he, and, he, and he'll grow that. And you'll go, wow, this is crazy. God can do something. When he, he changed my life, I was just like, this is crazy. I want more. But you got to watch what you ask for, too, because like they say, you know, uh, I think it was in the, it was the Evan Almighty when they said, you know, God's not just going to hand you what you're asking for on a platter. He's not just going to give it to you. He's going to give you the opportunity to grow in it. You want patience? God doesn't just give you patience. He gives the opportunity to be patient. Right? I stole that from Morgan Freeman out of Evan Almighty. But it's true. That's what he does. You say, I want patience. God is going to make people come into your life that you do not want to be patient with. And then you've got to remember, oh yeah, I asked for this. When you pray, God, I, I want someone to just share you with. I just just give me a person to share you with. He answers that prayer every time. He'll do it every time. So when the person comes up and they start talking about their problems or it's just like, Wow God, you're just so good. We're we're his vessels. He wants to use us. We need to believe that. That's faith. By faith, we believe that He wants to do those things in and through us. Okay, so the, the reason that the object of our faith is the with the power, again, because of that, when we place our faith in God is the object and He is the all-powerful, He says, I will give you, right? When Jesus, before He left, He said, I'm going to leave you, but I will not leave you orphans, but I will give you another comforter. I will give you one like me, the paracletas, one to come alongside. He said, He's, he's another one just like me. And then Jesus also said, the things that I do, even greater things you guys are going to do. Because I go to my Father in heaven. If I do not go, then I cannot give you the Comforter. I cannot give you the Holy Spirit. He goes, so I have to go so that he can come, and he can come and be in you. He will dwell in you. And then he says, also the Father and I will come and dwell in you. So it's like, wow, it's crowded in there. Because there's me fighting against those three all the time. I need to just surrender and let those three live through me. That's what he wants to do. So we have to have him as the object of our faith because that is our power. Because he is all powerful. We see it throughout Jesus' life. When Jesus surrenders to the Father, he says, all that I do is what the Father gave me to do. That's what Jesus did. He did what the Father gave him to do. And look at the crazy stuff he was able to do. We don't see it here. Stories, I can't wait till you guys get back. Three of the seven of us sitting in this room get to go to El Salvador. And when you come back and you, the stories you guys are going to have, because I know none of you guys have been down there. I think Whitney's probably been to Mexico, right? Okay, you've been to Mexico. You've been to Mexico? Once, okay. The stuff that's going to happen down there, when you guys come back and you, you share the ways that God used you down there in El Salvador, there's stories in China where people are actually being raised from the dead. In the Middle East right now, there's, God is using an incredible amount of people in the Middle East to reveal himself through dreams, visions. And now Luke Patterson is going over there to live for two years. He's got a two-year commitment to live there and go to the colleges and share Jesus Christ in the colleges there. And I know anybody on the radio, you don't know Luke, awesome guy. Just know the name and pray for him. Michael knows him better than I do. Great guy. He was the Luke from Patmos. Those of you guys that don't know, okay? But that's what he's doing for the next two years. He's going to live. First he's going to Dubai, then he's going to Saudi Arabia for two years. Talk about living out your Christianity. He's going to come back with stories. I mean, I don't know if we'll get to see him, but I know Tanner will tell us some of the stories. Crazy, crazy stuff. But... That's the stuff God wants to do. So when we put our faith and our trust in a power like God, like Jesus Christ, we have the potential of that same power. It's dynamic power. Dunamis is the word, dynamic. I don't like the word dynamite. Dynamic is better. So... Other scriptures, I, I gave these last time we were here. Okay, Romans ten seventeen. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Okay, so it's important that we hear God's Word. And it doesn't mean when I'm teaching it, or when Tanner's teaching it, or when Luke, or whoever's up here, Mike, whoever. That's not what it's talking about. I mean, that is part of what it's talking about. But you need to personally hear God's Word. You read His Word and He speaks personally to you. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. So we gain faith by hearing God's word, whether it's through somebody teaching here. More times than not, it's when you get up early in the morning and you spend time in prayer, right? And prayer is, we just say, it's communication. That's what Mike talked about last week, right? It's just communication. You communicate with God, God communicates back with you, okay? Usually it's only a one-way conversation. As we tell God what we need, we give Him our grocery list and boom, we're off. To work or doing whatever it is we're doing prayer is a two-way communication i talk to him he's supposed to talk back to me faith comes by hearing hearing by the word of god so whether it's the bible or just listening to that still small voice speak to you you guys are all going to el salvador and i'm hope well you three i hope you're not going because you just thought it'd be a cool vacation a cool trip you're going because you heard god He said, I want you to go, right? And if you heard that, then what did you do? By faith, you put your down payment. By faith, you went and got a passport. By faith, you guys are taking off next weekend. Next weekend, (laughs) by faith. Hopefully it's because you heard God's word and that's why you're going. And he has something for you that you have no idea. I always found all the trips that I took, mine were all to Mexico every chilly trip I was supposed to take I had to cancel for one reason or another so I never got to go to Santiago Um, but I always went down looking for the the, to be the blessing and I always came back way more blessed than I was ever a blessing to anybody so that's what you guys have to look forward faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God okay Hebrews 4 1 through 3 we have the word and faith combined okay Ephesians 2 8 9 right It is through by grace through faith that we have salvation. Uh, Romans three twenty-one through twenty-eight. We have faith apart from the law. We are justified by faith in five one through Romans five, one through five. First Peter one three through nine. We are kept through faith. Matthew seventeen, fourteen through twenty one. We have faith that brings power, Matthew nine, twenty two, faith that heals, James two, fourteen through twenty-six, faith and works together working. James one, five through eight. Faith asking. We ask for wisdom in faith. Ephesians 6.16 We have a shield of faith. Our protection. Faith is a protection. Right? So when Satan's firing his old darts at you and telling you that what you believe in is false, you have a shield of faith. You put it up and you say, No, it's not. I believe every word of it. God's word is true as revealed. The emergent church is Satan firing fiery darts right now. You need to put up the shield of faith and say, No, God's word is absolutely true. He said he was going to preserve it, and he has for over 2,000 years that we've had it. Uh, we have faith without partiality in James 2, 1 through 5. We want to make sure that our faith is without partiality. Uh, Romans 14, 23, a lack of faith is sin. Romans 1, 17, it says the just shall live by faith. Romans 12, 3, faith brings sober thinking. We want to th- think soberly. It takes faith to be able to have that. And 1 Corinthians 2, 4 and 5. okay, Faith is not to be placed in the wisdom of men. Again, our faith is in God's word. So all this stuff, as the world continues to throw at us, all this junk, this human potential movement stuff that's out there, the S, the Life Springs, the the Emergent Church, the Word, Faith, Doctrine, whatever the next thing they're going to package it as and throw it back at us again because that's all Satan does. Okay? He just repackages the stuff and it comes back around. It's just under a different name. It's all out there and it just comes back. Nothing new under the sun. We need to keep our faith right here. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So let's diligently seek him and get some rewards so that we can continue to diligently seek him so we can get more rewards, so we can start giving some of that to others and there's just it's a it's a great cycle that we want to start, and so um with that, let's pray Father, we want to thank you for tonight and for this opportunity to be able to study your word. pray you would just continue to bless continue to draw us closer to you, and we by faith trust that you're going to do incredible things with this group that's going down to El Salvador. We pray you'd use them in a mighty way and it's, since I did mention Luke Lord, I pray you would be with him and just continue to bless him. And use him on the campuses in the Middle East. Keep him safe. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.